let me welcome all of you to our time together as we um, listen to God's word. Uh, as Sylvester mentioned, we were in the series in Daniel, um, and now we, for only today, will be in uh, in Psalm, which will be Psalm 51. Then from next week, we are going to begin our new series, um, which will be. Uh, we'll be finishing the last part of the series that we have been doing for the past two years, which is the major messages of the minor prophets. Um, we have been looking at, at the individual books. And next week, we'll have uh, our brother Semi who will take us through Zephaniah. And then following that, we'll have Reverend Dr. Vuyani Sindo, uh, who will take us uh, in the book of Zechariah. And then I'll come again uh, to think about uh, Joel, as well as uh, Habakkuk. Please bow with me as I lead us in prayer. Father God, we humbly come before your presence this morning. We thank you that we can listen to your word. Our prayer this morning is that, Lord, you would faithfully speak to us. Speak to us as your children, as we listen. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Recently, I received a message from a Christian friend. And the message read, Please pray for me. I have been very confused. My life hasn't been in order with the sin that I have committed. I've talked to some Christians, but many have decided to disassociate themselves with me. I feel like I'm the worst sinner in the world and that I am not a Christian anymore. My challenge is that I am in need of someone to understand me. Sadly, I have hardly received love from the Christian community. But surprisingly, I have at least received some love from people who do not know the Lord. Anyway, although I have confessed to God, but I feel like the Lord has taken his spirit away from me. I feel that I am no longer a Christian. Please help. A big sigh was the response that I gave after reading the message. What am I supposed to tell my Christian friend who has sinned but says he has confessed his sin before God? Has God not heard his prayer? Is my friend really the worst sinner in the world? Has God indeed taken away his Holy Spirit? All these questions were going through my mind. What shall I tell him? And let's say, if it were your friend, your brother, your sister, what would you have told them? Does God really take away his Holy Spirit from Christians when they sin? The situation my friend was in 
is similar to the one King David was in as presented in our text. Our passage presents to us the story of the great King David whom God made everything he was and was also with him through his Holy Spirit. However, due to his sin, David saw the danger of the Holy Spirit leaving him. Hence, pleading in this prayer, in this prayer to God, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. What does David mean in this prayer? To properly understand what David means in the prayer, we need to first look at the historical background behind Psalm 51. The historical background to our passage is found in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1 to 27, where David committed adultery with Bathsheba, which resulted in Bathsheba's pregnancy. If we read 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 5. And in trying to cover up the pregnancy, David went against the rules of combat by inviting Bathsheba's husband to come to the city. The plan was that Uriah could lay with his wife at home so that it could be known that the pregnancy was his. But Uriah's refusal to sleep at home costed him his life. David planned and had him killed in combat. And it all looked normal. But even though Uriah's death looked normal, God was not pleased with David. Therefore, God sent Nathan the prophet to rebuke so it is after Nathan's rebuke and having acknowledged his sin that David prayed the reflective prayer recorded in Psalm number 51. Today, our focus in Psalm 51 is verse 11b, where David's prayer to God is, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. And we shall think about verse 11b under two headings. The meaning of the prayer and then the application of the prayer to us today. First, the meaning of the prayer. The whole of Psalm 51 is a confession of sin and a prayer for forgiveness. Psalm 51 is divided into two parts. Verses 1 to 12, where David prays for what God is to do to him, and then in verses 13 to 19, there is a vow of what David would do after God's action. In the first section, which is verses 1 to 12, David begins by asking God to forgive and cleanse him based on God's own nature, which is his love and compassion. That is in verse 1 and verse 2. Thereafter, in verses 3 to 6, David confesses his sin against God and laments 
for his moral failure. And then using the verbs that show one's wish in verses 7 to 12, David pleads to God for forgiveness and for the moral renewal that will result in the restoration of fellowship, spiritual renewal, and joy. Our text, which is verse 11b, is in this first section, where after asking God to page him in verse 7 to 9, David goes further in verse 10 to request this God to create a new heart and renew a steadfast spirit in him and to not cast him from his presence. Verse 11a. Then it is after the prayer of verse 11a that David's next words in verse 11b are, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. What is David really requesting in this prayer? It would help to notice that David's prayer in verse 11b has two parts. In the first part of the prayer, there is an action verb, which is take, that when combined with the negative do not, is expressing David's wish, which is that the God of Israel should not take away or remove what David will mention. Then, in the second part of the request, David mentions what he wishes should not be removed. It is the spirit. This spirit belongs to someone who is identified in verse 1, verse 10, verse 14 and 15, verse 17 and 18 as the God of Israel. God's Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity the bond of love between the Father and the Son. So in this verse, David is asking God to not take that third person of the Trinity away from him. But why would he pray like that? In the Old Testament, God used to give his Holy Spirit to specific people groups like the nation of Israel but also to specific individuals like kings as well as prophets. The purpose of giving them his spirit was not only to legitimize them, but also to enable the recipients achieve their specific roles. And depending on the way a person lived after receiving that spirit, God's spirit could be taken away from them or not. A good example of the one who had God's spirit taken away from him was King Saul of Israel. God gave Saul his spirit, but due to his disobedience as recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1 to 14, God took away his spirit from Saul and gave this spirit to David. So, 
in his last days, Saul, the king of Israel, continued leading Israel without the Holy Spirit, hence his failure. Therefore, in verse 11 then, David knows what happened to Saul due to Saul's sin, and hence he seems to have deliberated that if this holy God removed his spirit from Saul due to his sin of disobedience, then he would also do the same to him who not only committed adultery, but even went further and killed a man. So the removal of his Holy Spirit, like it happened to Saul, is the first reason that David is praying. He didn't want to be cut from his kingship role in Israel as a consequence of his sin. But this prayer also has a relational and fellowship aspect to it. As a king, David enjoyed God's presence and had an intimate relationship with him as his ambassador. Therefore, having God's spirit taken away would at the same time involve being excluded from the presence of God and from free access to God's throne. So it seems that David was not willing to go through the total loss of God's grace due to the loss of God's spirit. Hence, his prayer in verse 11 is, please do not cast me from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Therefore, the meaning of the prayer is in two parts. First, God should not remove David from his service as a king, which would secondary affect his communion with God. But how does this prayer apply to us today? This takes us to our second point, the application of the prayer for us who also sin today. David, the leader of the community of God's sin, then he prayed that God would not take away his spirit. The church is the present community of God living in a time far isolated from David with pilgrims who sin and are being sanctified daily. Does it mean then that every time we fall into sin, we should pray like David? In other words, when we sin, should we ask God to not take his spirit from us? Not at all. Our passage does not seem to suggest that we pray like this because even David himself is recorded praying this prayer only once. We are not called to always pray this prayer since God no longer gives his Holy Spirit 
on temporary basis. By this, I mean that the same God who used to give the Holy Spirit to specific people and for a short period of time saw the need and hence promised in the later part of the Old Testament through the prophets that he would later give his spirit to all peoples. In Joel chapter 2 verse 28 to 32 God says and it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. This promise was then later repeated by the Son of God, Jesus. In Luke chapter 24, verse 49, just before he ascended to his Father, Jesus assured his disciples that, I am going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with the power from on high. And according to Acts chapter 2, when the disciples remained in the city, they indeed received the promise of Joel and Jesus. This promise was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was given to all peoples of different tongues. Friends, this Holy Spirit is the presence of God among us. The Holy Spirit is the way in which Jesus fulfills the promise of staying with us until the ends of the age. If you read Matthew chapter 28 verse 20. The Holy Spirit is the one who dwells in the lives of believers. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. I thought it would be good for me to illustrate how the Holy Spirit dwells in us. So I brought some containers for, uh, to help us understand what's going on, what's, what's happening. In his trinity, God the Father sent the Son who promised to be with his disciples to the ends of the earth. And upon his ascension, God indeed sent the Holy Spirit to be uh, with the church. So, I want you to take this small container to represent the body of Christ. I was supposed to have many seeds, but I only have good one in there. <laughs> but as you miss many seeds, as Christians within uh, the body, well, this big container will represent the Holy Spirit. Now, God sent the Holy Spirit who hovers over the church, securing the life and faith of every believer within the church so that no force or power that comes affects that believer. God even personalizes that relationship 
in a way that the individual Christian within the body, inside, like the one that you see, feels as if they are the only member in the body, since each member has a direct guidance from the Holy Spirit. Isn't that special? So if you are a believer in St. Barnabas Church, then your special truth this morning is that from the day you committed your life to Christ, this Holy Spirit dwells in you and connects you to the Trinity so that just as David, you are fellowshipping in the community of the Trinity now. This means that you experience the love that is shared in the Godhead through the bond of love who is the Holy Spirit himself. Hallelujah. Also, if you are a believer, you are, your faith is sealed and secured by the Holy Spirit. You may be sick, struggling time and again, but nothing will pluck you from God. So, as you're looking at the container again, no matter how lonely you may feel, like the one seed that just managed to be there alone, not many, you, no matter how lonely you may feel in that way, God is present. He is there with you. Your salvation is secured by the Spirit. Hallelujah. Friends, the special thing about this God is that he knew that we are human beings born in the flesh and that we would time and again want to live in our own ways. So he already provided a way for us as believers. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, John said, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. My brother, my sister, God knows that you are a weaker vessel. And that is why he has given the Holy Spirit as your guide. Then why would you rejoice over and look down on a fellow Christian who is struggling or who has fallen into sin? We should be sad as Christians when a fellow Christian is remaining in sin. And we should encourage them to positively respond to the Holy Spirit who is always calling them to come back to God. Friends, the Holy Spirit is there to draw you and me away from sin. 
He is that inner voice you constantly hear saying, do not do it, White. Do not do it, Alita. Do not do it, Ian. Do not do it, Andre. Do not do it. Do not do it. How do you respond to the Holy Spirit? And when you have sinned, the Holy Spirit is there to rebuke you and call you back to God. He is that voice you constantly hear saying, that is enough, Michael. You are not the worst sinner in the world. Come back to Christ now. Confess and all will be forgiven. How have you responded to the Holy Spirit? And when you are in trouble or in suffering, the Holy Spirit is there to comfort and encourage you. That is why some have called Christians the privileged ones of this world. Why? Because we are guided in every step that we take. Isn't that special? Remember, I started by telling you about my friend who contacted me. Here's how the story ended. I messaged Mark back and we had a meeting where I listened to the story and from the Bible shared the absolute truth about the assurance of his salvation. Called him to listen to the Holy Spirit and then helped him through repentance. And in the end, he was reassured of his faith again. Of course, he later faced discipline, but he faced this church discipline with joy, so much joy and hope, knowing that his salvation is secured. And now he remembers that he is not a perfect man, but a pilgrim who is being purified every day. Hence, he should always submit to God who is working in him. Friends, there is no more worth applying to you as a believer like it applies to the unbeliever. And although you may fail and suffer time and again, you have the hope and assurance of the eternal life that starts here on earth and will continue to eternity. Your salvation as a believer is guaranteed. It is the plan of God the Father that was achieved by the Son on the cross and is sealed by the Holy Spirit. No one, no one can take you away from God's hand. No one will ever move you from God. Amen. So as we end, how have others responded to this good news about the assurance of our salvation? Others 
have first responded by saying, once saved, always saved. So whatever I do, no matter how I live, that doesn't matter. I can live in any way because I'm already saved. With this, they have continued sinning since their salvation is secured. Is this the right response that we should give? Not at all. Paul speaks against this wrong attitude in Romans chapter 6, verse 1 to 7, where he asks in verse 1, Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Then his answer in verse 2 is, By no means. We died in sin. We died to sin. How can we live in sin any longer? Friends, although our salvation is secured, yet, like David, our sin as Christians affects our communion with God. And that is why we have to constantly come before the Lord in repentance. In other words, instead of remaining in sin when we sin, the call this morning is to adhere to the message of the later, the later part of Psalm 51, verse 13 to 19. We should always strive to pursue holiness because we relate to the holy and not the unholy spirit. And when we sin, we should always humble ourselves before God with a broken spirit. Since in Psalm 51 verse 17, David says, a broken and a contrite heart, God will not despise. So then, how should we positively respond to this good news of our faith that is sealed by the Holy Spirit? I suggest five possible responses. First, you can praise God for the seal of, of your salvation. Let me ask you this question. When was the last time you just came before the Lord to thank him for the gift of your salvation if you are saved? Maybe I should change the question to say, have you even ever thanked God for the Holy Spirit who seals your salvation? Have you ever even thanked God for your salvation? This morning we'll have time together to thank God for our salvation. So the first response could be to thank God for the seal of our salvation. The second response, you can secondary respond by taking this message as an encouragement. You may be listening, listening to this message just after committing a deadly sin or that you are stuck in a certain habitual sin leading you to feel like the worst sinner in the world and even deliberating. You may have been deliberating on giving up the faith. Your message this morning is that Although ye may feel far, 
God has not given up on you. Never. He's calling you to come back to him. Speak to the elder. Speak to the pastor. Confess your sin before him and he is willing to restore, to restore you to himself. You are not the worst sinner in the world if you listen to God's call through his spirit. Third, you can positively respond by taking this message as a challenge to you to stop looking down on Christians who are struggling with living in the flesh. So instead of judging them and putting too much pressure that would make them give up on their faith, this message calls you this morning to encourage a fellow Christian who may be struggling to come back to God who through his Holy Spirit is willing to forgive them. Fourth, you can positively respond by going and sharing this good news with those close to you through words and also by living as a member of a redeemed community. Let me ask you this question. When was the last time you shared Christ with others? Since today is the 9th of July, let me challenge each one of us to share this good news of salvation that is given freely to at least one person before the end of the year. And also invite them to St. Barnabas Church. Are you willing to take on this challenge? Lastly, you can positively respond by noticing that this ceiling of salvation only applies to believers and not just religious people. Hence, noticing that you may have been in the church for many years but have not committed your life to Christ, you can positively respond this morning by committing yourself to God today. You can positively respond by hearing the call that God is calling you through his spirit and allowing him to change you this morning. Are you willing to commit yourself to God today? In conclusion, Psalm 51 is a prayer of confession. And just as David, all believers sin. And like David, our sin breaks our spiritual service with God and also minimizes our joy in the communion with our God. However, our sin does not make us lose our salvation since our salvation is guaranteed and sealed by the Holy Spirit. However, that good news is not a license for us to, to sin. 
whenever we fail, which God knows will happen, we should repent and submit to him who is always willing to forgive as we strive to please him and not grieve his Holy Spirit. Remember, this amazing truth only applies to believers. Have you believed in God the Father through the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit? And if you have believed, are you living as a member of the redeemed community? If you haven't believed, are you willing to come to this God this morning? As we end, I want each one of us to spend two minutes in prayer to God. If you have been saved, use this minute, use these minutes, thank God for the gift of your salvation that is sealed by the Holy Spirit. If you are a believer, may have been backsliding, pray to God, confess to him, request him to bring you back. But if you have not believed in this God, use this minute. Call upon him. Request him to save you. Let's pray from the bottom of our hearts. Father God, we want to thank you for you are the Lord who loves us so much. We thank you for the gift of our salvation that was achieved by the Son on the cross and is sealed by the Holy Spirit. We thank you for drawing us to yourself. Lord, we acknowledge we fail time and again. But we thank you because you are always there for us, drawing us away from sin and drawing us closer to you by the power of the Spirit. We thank you for this. Father, we pray for those of us who are struggling with sin. You draw us closer to yourself, away from sin, and attach us to living lives 
that are pleasing to you. And for those of us who have never committed our lives to you, my prayer is that, Lord, may you save. May you bring your salvation. We pray, thanking you for salvation and praying that you help us live holy lives through Christ our Lord. Amen. May the Lord continue.